That's the fucking intro music. <laughs> <laughs> everyone uh welcome back to episode number nine of gaming the system we've made it to our fifth month because we're awesome and we're totally professional and we we do know exactly what we're doing (laughs) um (laughs) this uh this episode is entitled uh, gender tropes and representation and in particular we'll likely be talking about the failures of representation because as we say very often um the gaming world is no different from the rest of society. It does not escape the ills of general society. So um, the problems that we see in um, representation in TV, film, theatre, and outside of the arts, in industry, in tech or lawyering or anything, women are either shown poorly or they are simply not shown at all. Um, so getting into our first segment, um, I want to ask, um, what are the tropes about women that stand out to you individually the most? Uh, Alex, what do you think? I think I had the top of my list was uh, as the utterly useless escort. Like when you have an escort mission, you have to escort the utterly useless female character across the map without them dying. And if they die, you have to start again. And, you know, you have to do everything from like tie their shoes, make sure they're wearing colour coordinated outfit, tell them what day it is before you can step outside and then you can go. And it's just so laboured and and they're so, they feel like such a needy character and they do utterly nothing to... uh, to help you through the section of whatever mission you're on and it's just incredibly annoying and um i don't think it does any good to uh the the image of women in general as being these totally useless things that you have to take from a to b um and that's the one that stood out most to me i think yeah, but, um, there are plenty more yeah absolutely um, yeah, the, the reason I, I wanted to uh, like throw this out there straight away was because it, 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 it I, like with me, I get pissed off when I see just lazy, lazy writing where it's they're just falling into the same pattern of, of bollocks where they go, oh, we need to throw, we'll, we need, we've got an empty space here, we'll just put a woman there. And have her be a a um, a motivator, a just a, a a stepping stone for the male character on their journey, um, and also the women are never just women; they're mothers, sisters, daughters, always something in relation to something else. They're just they're just there in women's roles, doing women's work. Mm. Um, Jem, what do do you think? 
Um, well, I think when we talked when we talked about this um, in, offline, um, I think Caroline said that one of the challenges for um, for this topic is that it you know the the tropes in games often mirror the tropes in in films and in um, in literature and all of those things. So <clears throat> I've been trying to think about things a little bit out of the box, and one of the um, tropes that I came across um, in my research. It was a, a the trope of the um, um, sort of exotic woman, you know, the tribal woman or black and brown women, really, who are who are exotic, exoticized um, because they might come from you know some remote tribe or their voodoo or there's and it's it's horribly racist um undertone well overtones really and it's really problematic i think and it's and it's far too common um and i and i think it's something that we don't talk about a lot because it's it's not it's not white <laughs> not white women it's it's black and brown women and it's it's not it's not acceptable really and it's it's real shame because it's there's a lot of culture to explore and there's a lot of interesting sort of dynamics that could be explored but instead it becomes a sort of fetishization of 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 women who are who are different and this hooks into um all sorts of real um really problematic issues around race and racism and I think so I I wanted to put that out there I know it's a heavy a heavy one but I just wanted to put it out there and and I hope that maybe down the line we'll we'll have space to have a a more involved conversation really about that because I think you know we've we've talked a lot about how intersectional feminism is so important and I think you know that's that's a place where you know we've got a long way to go and I, <laughs> I think there's a lot we can do you make such a such a good point about the um the like when people want to do lazy world building they take um like they try to mirror in an extremely cheap way uh our own society so in greed fault for example you play an obviously extremely european white like settler style like person going to this new world um and then you've got the other of course white settlers fighting with the natives and the natives are of course brown-skinned tribal with rituals and stepping outside of um, games, the the other um, thing that comes to mind is Avatar, because mm. that's literally just blue Native Americans being attacked by space European settlers. Those are the 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 mirrorings that we see where it's just you you don't bother to come up with with the depth of the the culture you just take what exists and go oh take mm. take a little bit from that we're not actually going to do do the work ourselves um caroline what do you what do you think what stands out to you the most well i mean like jen was saying i did there's so many of the tropes that we're dealing with are true of all media media yeah that's the plural media um and so 
trying to think of something really exclusive to video games. So we often talk in literature and stuff about um, the Madonna whore complex and how women are either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think in video games, it quite often becomes the, the badass damsel complex. To be a woman, you are either so hardened and bitter and angry at the world and you are a horrific badass who can go on and take on anything and has no emotions whatsoever and will kill every single person in your sight. Or it's the screaming, crying damsel who can't cope with anything and is desperately mm. trying to... And it's, it does feel that like nearly all, whatever whatever version of the game you're playing, there is so many that women do tend to break down into one of those two categories. And it becomes that damaging thing of it quite often. So I grew up as at an, when I went to an all girls school, I grew up with the whole sort of like, oh, I'm not like other girls, that sort of internalized patriarchy thing. And that's where that's really dangerous, that trope, as it's mm. like it makes you see that the badass ones, well, they're not like other women. You don't want to be like one of those pathetic women. So it reinforces that idea that women are weak and stupid and that the badass women are some sort of magical exception that you could possibly hope to attain to. And I think that's far too common in far too many games. Uh, I mean, although I was thinking about this because I've been playing, um, I've been replaying an old game. I've been playing Arkham Asylum, uh, the original one. And it's Harley Quinn. There's there's the one character that I can't work out really whether she's a badass or a damsel. (laughs) So other than that, I think everybody else can be broken down into that world. It feels a lot like just it's that lazy writing that no one calls out because normally all the people in if it's a room full of men, all of them have spilt their careers writing that same way, and no one's ever called them out on it. So they think that they're they're doing awesome work. And yeah, I I agree with that. Badass women go, yeah, girl power. Woo-hoo! That uh, just that is just going. Oh, we'll make her like a man. And goes, oh yeah, she's one of the boys. That's why she's she's not like a woman. So that's that's a comment that the I've I've heard in the past when people are compared. You say, oh, you're weak. Or you're being you're being girly. How I can't imagine how damaging that must feel actually as a as a woman. Which leads on to my my next topic, um, which is um, I'm putting my therapist hat on. I'm not a therapist. I'm saying uh, from, <laughs> from, qualifications. You, yeah, from, from what you've described, um, how does seeing these kinds of failures of representation make you feel? What's your like emotional response? Because it's not, it's not just, it's not just semantics. It's not just philosophy. This has a tangible impact on people's lives. Uh, men as well as women but particularly women because it's them that's being shown in this way um Jen what do you what do you think um I think that uh these days it generally makes me roll my eyes and and sort of you know think oh that's a thing to talk about in gaming the system um but um and I, I think I think the real problem comes from from for people who are younger and who are um, not aware that these are tropes, that these are not sort of representations of of how how the real world is, and I think I think we talk about it a lot when we're looking at um, the impact of, say, um, 
things like Instagram and um, um, yeah, well, Instagram really, um, and TikTok and, and and places like that where there's a, a very idealized sort of idea of how people should look and um, and the impact that that's having on people who are seeing these lives or you know the way that things are. I mean, I'm following um, gardening people now on Instagram, and I have got such issues now with my garden doesn't look pretty enough my <laughs> plants aren't big enough and I think that you know that's really subtle and I do have to keep stepping back and reminding myself that everyone is posting their best pictures and that this yeah. is not reality but we we're very aware of how much that's affecting us because there's been a lot of work done about social media and the impact of that but something like computer games that you're just playing that's just there. I mean, we talked about it with regards to sexualization of women. And, and I was saying, you know, that for me, it's really problematic because it's reinforcing these negative stereotypes, in my opinion. It's reinforcing gender roles in a, in a, in, in, in a way that I think is not good for society. So I think it is really damaging. And I think that because we don't recognize it, it's even more damaging because it's so subtle, it's so subconscious, and it's just happening in the background. And you think you're fine with it, just like you think you're fine with the magazine covers and all of that. But it's just drip, 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 drip. And, and I think it can be really damaging for some people. It's um, interesting what you said about um, particularly young people seeing these things and thinking it's reality and not knowing the difference. I heard a really interesting term recently called uh, porn literacy, mm. which is basically what you're saying about, because um, um, literally with porn, there's literally any type of porn you could think of, the wildest imagination, it's it exists. Um, and if you if you understand that it's not real, then it's fine just watch it and you know that you're not you're not learning from it you're not taking your sex education from it but there are so many stories of particularly young boys learning learning from it and thinking it's real and then trying it with a girl that they're with and the girl is just horrified and going what, what the hell are you doing and they're like, oh this, this is how it works so you're right this this kind of stuff if, if you need to be taught how it works to be aware of it. Um, and yeah, that, that really worries me about, um, so I share that fear, particularly from uh, the, the perspective of young boys seeing this, because this is what I grew up with. And that feeds in with everything else in society, telling you that girls are weak. One thing mm. that pissed me off when I was, um, uh, I was a badminton coach hearing um, in my entire life. I've heard uh, press ups where you're on your knees instead of on your feet. They're called girls press ups when that's bullshit. They're just a, uh, a lower intensity for yeah. the exercise that you use to build up. So there's all that microaggressions. And like you said, drip, 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 just meant to meant to just completely degrade women in in the eyes of society um uh alex yes what what do you think I've, yeah i'm i'm yeah i'm trying to yeah. remember gonna, who i've spoken I'm already gonna jump on the back of what caroline was saying about the badass damsel paradox thing that is certainly something that annoys me because it's like you've either got all or nothing and that, that's something i very much internalized as a child I can tell you now, um, just thinking about it, 
in primary school and I, whenever I used to get upset about things, I would think, no, I've got to be brave now, like Lara Croft, because, of course, Lara was one of my idols growing up. Um, or like I'd say to myself, I've got to be able to stand on this bench without holding anyone's hand or holding on to the wall because that's what Lara would do mm. um, because I used to get shouted at for holding on to things because I think my teacher was a little bit ableist. But, um, <laughs> I think she's um, very ableist, actually. Yeah. So I think it's kind of very mixed because obviously that was all internalised with my own feelings about my disability as well. And that I had to overcome it and be like Clara because she could do all those amazing physical things. And I wanted to be able to. Um, <laughs> so in that sense, I suppose it is quite damaging. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the sense that there's nothing in between. You're either helpless, weak, or you're amazing and super powerful and you can do anything. So you had to pick between one or the other, and I knew which one I wanted to be, obviously. But then how much damage has that actually done for me growing up? Uh, it's probably it's probably has made me internalise a lot of things, which obviously I'm working to unpack now. But thinking about the topic has definitely made me realise that cropped up a lot, particularly transitioning from primary school to secondary school. Mm. Um so yeah, that's definitely impacted my childhood. And I think I think that representation since then has changed. So hopefully less girls these days are feeling that way, but it's certainly still an issue for children today, I would say. Yeah, it's a problem when you only get black and white representations of weak or like superpower strength, because mm. Lara isn't real. So yeah, exactly. You yeah. can't can't you can't be no. if you see the full range of human experience you'd realize someone who is that strong has moments of vulnerability and and uh, weakness that that allow them to be that strong um caroline what's your um how do these things impact you well i, I was more thinking about um one of the things that particularly bothered me is and basically I'm going to talk it's not a video game but it might as well be a video game which is the movie Taken and I realize I'm basically coming to you from a decade ago this week I'm talking Arkham Asylum and Taken but um I watched Taken the other day I've never watched Taken before I'm aware that Liam Neeson goes I will find you was basically all I knew about the movie (laughs) um And it just demonstrated so much of what is so present in video games all the time of this really lazy writing of women. Really, like the daughter, oh my God, she's 17 and jumping up and down and going, I want a pony, I want a pony and stuff. And it's just, ah, and and the ex-wife is, oh, well, I've run off with this rich man. Ah, but there's, there's not even, it's not even subtle. It's really odd. And I was sort of watching it and thinking, God, this is, this is what men think women are like. This is giving that idea that this is, oh, well, you know, women, they just, they either want a pony or they want a rich one. <laughs> so that bothered me about it massively. And again, we see that in video games all the time, those sort of characters who are just, and they're almost a problem to be dealt with. Um, and it, which then for me personally goes back to the, you know, well, I meet literally like selling most, not, 
trying to impress men by going well mm. I'm not like other girls I'm not like those stereotypes of mm. women very much as you say like I have to be as blokey as possible to not be like those women but the other thing that really struck me with Taken and again this is true of things like GTA and Bioshock it's like the whole plot of that film is about the horrific culture of sex trafficking that goes on around the world there are millions of women at any given time who are involved who have been taken and put into sex trafficking and this film doesn't give a shit about that it's mm. almost it's almost like an amusing side note um i was like watch it and just go like you know is, is he not going to try and rescue the other women it's like all right it's fine to go and like you know kill everybody just for your daughter but screw all the other women involved mm. in it and it's uh, the danger with that is the the normalizing of it like mm. how anybody can watch a film about the horrific global con- sex trafficking issue that exists and see it as a funny, hey, it's a bit of a hostage shoot him up, you know. It's like, I mean, John Wick, at least it's all about his puppy, but this was just, I, I found it horrific and I really did find it horrific watching mm. it this week. Mm. And as I say, I only mention it because so many video games rely on that same thing of using something like rape or sex trafficking as a sort of like, oh, well, that's just a side plot we'll chuck in. And I feel only a male writer could go, oh, well, that's just something I'll throw in and yeah. not see it for the serious traumatic issue that it is. I think um, the, the word I used earlier was semantic. I think the, the more um, apt word is theoretical. Because if you've got uh, a room full of men writing women, everything about the women, the woman's experience is theoretical to them. So they have no concept of what sex trafficking could be like just in the same way they have no idea what it feels like to be terrified walking home alone at night. So that's something that they can just they can just throw in. Oh, yeah, women, that happens to women, so we'll just throw that in. Um, I think that's a really good point, actually, about uh, the normalising of, of these kind of behaviours. I mean, I've been um, following the Reclaim These Streets group on Facebook um, following um, the murder of Sarah Everard. And um, the what has really depressed me is the amount of people who've said, you know, well, it's never going to change. This is just how it is. And I think it's it's exactly those kind of movies. It's it's games where that that is the motivating factor. You know, it's it's all of this that that underlies this idea that this is just the way that men are. This is the way society is and it can't be changed. And you know, I think that's that's well to put it bluntly, I think it's that's a load of bollocks, really. You know, it's just it's just rubbish, and it and I think we, you know, we can change things, and and men don't have to be violent, and you know, and I think that we've really got to kind of, yeah, demand more from the writing. I mean, it, as you say, it's just lazy writing, and it's just and it and it is having it's lazy writing at best having seriously life damaging impacts at worst and i think you know it's it's it feels like a light topic this but actually i think it's quite a, a heavy one really yeah. and just just so i can have my little rant about taken to the fact that the sex traffickers then think that they've somehow been wronged anyway yeah, yeah. yes i did go on and watch taken two after having mm. watched taken and realizing how shit it was i had a weird week sorry matt <laughs> 
I was just going to say, um, moving on, uh, carrying on the um, how male mediocrity and being in a male bubble. So if you have a, if you have a writing team of five white guys and they go, oh, yeah, we're all brilliant. We're all the best. Everything we write is amazing. And they write a massive TV show uh, like The Bodyguard where the, the opening 20 minutes is about the poor, scared um, Eastern uh, Middle East woman going, oh, my husband made me put on this this bomb vest, oh, I'm so weak, and you wonderful white man are going to talk me down from it because you're so amazing. That kind of profoundly damaging thing that the writer's room will think, oh, yes, we nailed it, just nailed it. <laughs> um, how damaging that is. Um, I was wondering what you, you, Alex, talked about that in terms of disability. Um, what tropes have have you found that you've internalised um, over the years that that you're aware of now and are having to work to get out of yourself, uh, Caroline? What do you think? Well, I think I've spoken a bit about this already. It's just the fact that sort of the uh, I have to say I'm not I'm not like other women sort of thing, but I think also very much so the um, yeah when I was younger I just sort of before, before everybody comments here um, when I was younger it was very much about the you need to look sexy like you have to always be like you know if you're not wearing a short skirt and knee high boots and tights then what are you even doing here and I think that was very much a thing that like I mean you when you become an older woman you do start looking back and going, oh, when I was young and old women would be going like, going out in that skirt and that top, you'll catch your breath. And I'm like, oh, God. And I do look back on it now and I'm like, oh, my God, how on earth was I out in a park in a crop top and the short skirts and things at night and frozen? Anyway, that's not the important thing. Nevertheless, <laughs> no, no, no slight shame ring thing here. I just worry about how cold I was. How do I manage that? But there was always like that, you know, and you'd sort of dress it up as like, you know, oh, no, but I'm just uh, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking cool. I'm looking whatever. But looks was hugely important mm. to me when I was younger. Mm in terms of makeup and in terms of clothes and I don't know what at what stage I managed to uninternalize that and become mm. just comfortable and happy I know this last year has been really good for me actually in terms of zoom mm. I know a lot of people talk about it, they don't like having to look at themselves on zoom but I've had to spend so much of yeah. my time on a camera this year I can look at my face for hours and I don't yeah. care. and I don't mind that there's little gray tufts coming out and I don't judge in fact I quite like this weird gray tuft thing that I've got going <laughs> on at the moment and I think but I know the video games more so in fact I think than films and tv probably had an impact on the what I thought a woman should look like mm. and it's so unrealistic I and mean, we've talked a lot about how huge the boobs are and how disproportionate the bodies are and stuff when we looked at Lara Croft and stuff yeah. and it's it's I mean yeah Instagram's one level of this is an unhealthy video image but by god video games are possibly the most unhealthy image mm. you can create of a woman more so than men i mean the men are stylized we've seen matt you you've shown us a lot of god of war you know obviously that's a slightly unrealistic ambition to want to look like what's his face sort of stuff going on but the women it's it's physically impossible 
a large amount of what they look like, the balance between the front and the back. And it does... (laughs) Can't keep that up. Um, But it does create that internal view of, yeah, but I need to make make myself look better because I don't look anywhere near that and stuff. And so I think for me personally, it's always been very much the internalising of what I need to look like from video games. We're talking a little bit about um, the gaming industry side of this and about um, how women's bodies in games are uh, rigged and animated and designed because that's actually a, uh, a large factor in it. Um, Alex, um, what yes. have you um, found that you've internalised? I'm going to repeat myself again, but I'll go more in depth. Basically, the all or nothing concept is always making me feel like I have to say yes to everything, that I have to push myself to be as much of the all as I can be all of the time, Um, which isn't a healthy thing, I know. Um, So, for example, like I'd always say yes to doing extra jobs at work or whatever. I always, I'd always like thinking back at when I was at uni because at the time I felt like I couldn't be I couldn't rely on my body to be like the sexy woman because that's bullshit now anyway because I know that I'm totally fine um because I couldn't rely on my body as I thought then I thought I always had to kind of do something a little bit more edgy just to stand out a little bit more so like I would say yes to drinking the six mixed shots or something ridiculous just to just to like be the kooky one you know going out on a night out and doing irresponsible things just to just to be a bit different you know um so yeah always saying yes to things and pushing myself further than I should do probably um all because I wanted to be standing out and sort of above well not above everyone else that sounds really sounds really uh <laughs> egotistical but um I think you all know what I mean and I'm gonna leave it at that yeah it's like that that superwoman complex saying well yeah. you're either weak or you're impossibly strong yeah because um, it's because the impossibly strong is perfect you're always going to end up feeling inadequate because yeah because yeah. that's that's what you're taught um Jem, what have you found that you've internalized all of that i think i i i well i think it's impossible not to i think it's impossible not to internalize the the appearance aspects and the and the the you know how to be attractive i think you know you're taught from such an early age that you're main purpose on earth is to find a nice husband or a nice man and you know that's that's it and then you know as you as I've got older I've I've I think the thing is is that if you're a a woman with a a stronger personality to fight against that which is is hard work then then you end up in a sort of conflict between between those and I think that's what Caroline's describing in this uh, in this thing about like I'm not like other girls and I definitely went through that phase not a girly girl I'm not like I'm not like a girl I like to hang out with the boys you know and all of that and and I think you know it's 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 
all of those things are reinforced, but they're but they're not just coming from games. That's coming from everything. It's coming from all of the angles, and I think that's the that's the real issue. It's a, it is such a um, a challenging thing. I think I had real trouble sort of walking a line between not being too um, threatening to the men around me um, whilst at the same time wanting to kind of push that envelope, as you're describing, Alex, you know, wanting mm. to kind of demonstrate that I could do it too. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a girly girl and I can do this. And, and I think, I think, you know, I took, really great pride in being a tank in my guild in in world of warcraft and i loved doing that um but i was a female night um night elf so i was uh, i was tall and sexy and and you know slightly disproportionate well very disproportionate um <laughs> but you know when i was in my tank form i was like a big bear so i i feel like that really kind of actually thinking about it now that very Oh, Matt. No. <laughs> it's like, I was trying to Maybe click no. over to the chat um, and press that. Button. Sorry, sorry, carry on. No, 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 it's all right. No, and I think I think it did really embody that did actually embody the struggle that I went through in the in my gaming in my gaming experience. And I think, you know, now as a gamer, I do make my choices based on well, I'm not gonna just go with the girly character even though sometimes I would actually do really want to go with the girly character you know like I think sometimes pink is is fine I mean I had a whole drama today I went to vote and I popped on my um um women's equality party colors uh I had a scarf I had a a badge I had I was I was doing all sort of stuff and then I went I was like looking looking for a mask can't find a mask and I was like oh is a pink one. And I was like, I can't wear a pink one with all of this on. <laughs> but I, I, I did wear a pink one. <laughs> but, you know, I don't have anything against pink, but it's just, I think, you know, we do, it, there is that conflict and you feel that because there's so few people fighting this, this wave that you're kind of there and you can't let the side down and you can't choose the pretty character and you can't choose the cute one and you can't have pink bunny ears on your headphones not that I want those but you know and and I think I think you know it's a struggle and we shouldn't have to do that we should be able to wear those things if we want to and not because we're told to but because we choose to but yeah I think so I think that's when I've internalized everything it's 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 sort of internalized got all shaken up and then got very confused (laughs) the patriarchy is the catastrophic enemy of authenticity (laughs) because your authentic self needs to it's just something that exists um but when you try and exist alongside the patriarchy it's the patriarchy in society saying you're supposed to be this way and then you take your authenticity and you uh, come into contact with that and then you you have to it's like treating an abusive partner as if they're a good faith actor and going, well, oh, oh, yeah, saying you should do this. And you're going, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm mm. going to do something else rather than going, oh, you should be wearing pink. So I actually do want to wear pink. <laughs> and so that that interaction just shouldn't happen. It should just be, I feel like wearing pink today. Mm. And then it not play into you. But um, 
so yeah, r- robbing authenticity. Um, with me, it has been absolutely catastrophic to the building of relationships with women because you see, you 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 can't help but learn from uh, what you see on screen. And if all the women you see are these uh, vapid, vacuous, beautiful, empty-headed, just there to you do a few quests and then you've got them, mm. and um, they're not real people. So when you try and interact with, particularly as a young person, interacting with women that way, from that like place of expectation... You just come up against it's it's that expectation versus reality, and mm. particularly with another thing the patriarchy does, which was what keeps it going, is that it hides it hides reality and then teaches you a falsehood, which just tells men that they're the best mm. and that that if they think something, it must be right. So if a man comes into contact with reality his default response is to go, well, no, I'm, I'm right, so I'll ignore this reality. Again, we'll go back to the room of these these poor five white men who are going, yeah, we're the absolute best. But you bring in a woman who goes, the way you write women is lazy and shit. That's just the truth. Do you think they're going to go, oh, you're right, we'll bring you in and we'll learn how to make it better? Or are they going to kick her out and go, well, what the hell was that about? We're the mm. best. We'll carry on doing what mm. we're doing. <laughs> So, I think there's a lot of um, I, I spent I spend too much time on Reddit, but I do think that a lot of the uh, the responses on the Nice Guys subreddit. I don't know if you're familiar with Nice Guys subreddit, which is basically horrific examples of so-called nice guys online <laughs> um, sending horrifically abusive messages to women, um, which usually start with like, "Hey, you're gorgeous, want to go out?" and the woman will reply with. Do you know what? No, sorry, don't really want to. And then instantly it then descends into stuff that I won't say because I don't really want to hear it. Um, but it can be quite a funny subreddit in some ways because there's this complete lack of connection because it will quite often the response will be, well, fuck you, you know, you, you were offered a nice guy, but fine, clearly you only like mm. adults. And I think a lot <laughs> of those responses come, as you say, Matt, from that, difference between the expectation of what what the media but in this particular in computer games has taught them which (laughs) this is of course she should be flattered that i i'm much nicer than so many Mm. of those characters i see in video games and if i tell her she's beautiful she should obviously want to go with me and that that disconnect from reality of when obviously as a woman rightly so says no thank you as you are perfectly entitled to do to anybody at any time um, and the response of anger and viciousness and pursuing. And there's quite often a lot of rationalizing as well of like, you know, let me logic out with you why you should want to go out with me or why you should want to be with mm-hmm. me, um, which again is that refusal. And it's entirely, as you say, Matt, the patriarchal expectations that have been put in their brain that means there's no, they can't escape that logic and they're like but this doesn't compute so clearly something is wrong with you as a woman and therefore we must have a go at that whereas it's like just sometimes just don't like you it's fine it's okay it's okay to not like people just you know public service <laughs> announcement that's definitely part of where that the incel movement comes on and, and all this because mm. uh, uh, 
I I assume a large part of rape culture is not seeing women as real people, which is um, I've I've been thinking recently about how um, the police in America kill so many black men, and the sometimes that the, there was a 12 year old who was shot and killed by a policeman and thinking how if a if a 12 year old was actually pointing a gun at my head and said i'm going to kill you i don't know if i could kill a 12 year old and if i did uh, i don't know how your life can be after that mm. and then it made me think about how um I've, I've thought of the idea of going hunting at some point in my life and going and seeing seeing what it's like because it's an it's a, it's a sport it's an interesting sport but then you think I don't know if I could actually kill an animal myself even though you would kill it and then you'd um, use every part of it because that's that's what hunting is supposed to be for but that that kind of like thought process of thinking oh it's an animal I wonder if I could kill it I imagine that that's that is a similar thought process to these police officers and to men who commit acts of violence against women. He's thinking, oh, I don't know if I could do that, but maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a go at some point. And it all stems from this, this um, what we're taught that to not view women as people. They're they're just things. Um, that's been that's been distressing me. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that's that's a bit. Well, of a so, and also, yeah. Matt, just to you know, just to make the link, the so Anita Sarkeesian, who obviously has suffered from all the horrific abuse from Gamergate and from the incels, you know, what that, that mostly started after she started doing a podcast or a video thing on tropes and women in video games. That this is literally the topic that she was talking about that she was known for and that drew attention to her that then got the anger. And it's sort of almost mm. like those tra- that, that direct line between the tropes creating these ideas and that by trying to criticise them or break them down, you're so challenging to some people who are completely ingrained in patriarchal ideas that they then become violent and abusive. Mm. So violence against women and girls is the symptom of all of these things that we talk about it is like the root of all those problems are that so when people go oh god why are you making a fuss about being called miss rather than ms and it's like because all those tiny little micro things that we talk about in feminism all feed into the violence which is the symptom of all those things that we're talking about so i don't know i'm very yeah anyway so I think it's time to move on to the perpetrators of these tropes, which are the people in the industry. So games don't just pop into existence. They are made by people. Characters are written by people. Their quest lines and storylines are written by people. And they are uh, the art is created and the rigging and the animation is done by people. So every nothing happens in a video game unless it's specifically chosen, um, and I'm finding that, that that out with painful, slow painfulness trying to work out some game mechanics of my own. I'm making headway, but it's it's like pulling teeth. So I know I'm I have the tiniest little fraction of an idea of what it's like to slog away actually making 
making a game. So the 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 first thing that came up to me is the the biggest thing is thinking about the people who who are at the top of the games. Take Ubisoft for example. Um, with the Assassin's Creed games, there have been multiple games where people have been saying we want a female protagonist. This this we've written a really good female protagonist. I think we've got Assassin's Creed Unity, and then Assassin's Creed Origins, and then the latest uh, and Odyssey as well. Um, going, we should have a female protagonist here. We've got a really great idea for them, but then people in management have gone. Uh, I don't know if we're ready for it. We'll have we'll have two. You can play as a man or as a woman. That that'll be fine. We'll do the the cop out of, that pisses me off so much. And then I was thinking about that as I occasionally do. Um, and then remembering about the slew of um, sexual harassment scandals that Ubisoft had last year, and thinking, oh yeah, if you've got. Uh, uh, like a, a creative director who thinks that women, it's you, women are someone you can just grope without uh, it mattering, that they're just there for you to grope and to leer at and to harass. And then you go out uh, without thinking a second thought of it. Why would you think that they have any value as a protagonist? Why would you think that they have any, any like value? in a game why would why would someone who is literally just there for you to grope and harass um sell games or be worth giving anything to even just that you that's the spite and anger you must have towards women just to do that they just do they just wouldn't do it out of spite so um caroline what what is your impression of the industry and why these things happen i think there's, I think to see what needs to be fixed, you need to look at the good examples. So one of the things I was thinking about for this episode is one of the tropes that bothers me is that women can't be funny. Uh, they can be funny in a sort of like, hey, say that again and I'll blow your dick off type way, but they can't. They, but they still have to be slutty with it. But you very rarely get just a genuinely quirky, funny character. But one of the few games that does do it is, uh, I'll say Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, and that you do have some great, you've got some really great, funny, quirky female characters in there who are, I mean, all right, they have some mental health issues, and that's usually part of why they're, why they're funny. But hey, don't we all and don't all comedians? Um, so I think there is like, I think you've got look at what's been done. I, I will always come back to Dragon Age and Mass Effect mm. as an example of AAA games that absolutely respect the importance of diver i mean they're not perfect i don't get me wrong you know they're not the magnificent that there's there's criticisms to be made but compared to the vast majority the way they're doing things is right and it's because they have women on the teams it's because they listen to feedback it's because they're not afraid of that feedback they don't when the internet goes wild oh god why are you making gay characters uh why are you making <sighs> this they don't back down from it they don't go right well we're going to rethink it and they don't step away from it and i think that bioware deserve like a huge amount of respect for being that pushy with these mm. sort of things because there are companies that do it in a tokenistic way um in a sort of like oh 
oh well we've made a slight change to this like i think some of the warner brothers games over the years with the franchises are like no we're we're definitely we've got strong female characters like harley quinn um <laughs> i love harley quinn though i'm so torn about harley harley, <laughs> harley quinn is like my internalized issues a hundred times over um but <laughs> i think that Big companies, because it's easy for a small company, an indie gamer, to say, oh, we're making it. It's not easy, but that's their niche is to do something. But for big companies to really stand up for diversity and really stand up for change and really stand up against those tropes is so much hard. So it, It's so easy for them to tweak it in focus groups and have management say, yeah, but we'll just soften that and we'll just soften that. Mm. So I very much look forward to more games in the Dragon Age Mass Effect genre and i'd like to see other games taking that sort of lead and saying people will still buy them your game will still be hugely successful it's not going to break break your company um i heard profoundly good news uh, shortly after i didn't realize that this was happening um dragon age 4 they were planning to do it as a um as a, like an anthem style thing where it's like all online and but because anthem was such a profound catastrophic failure they decided no actually we'll go back to the model of mass effect and dragon age that is why people play the fucking games <laughs> and so if you're just thinking imagine what it could have oh, it's just can't not worth thinking about um gem what's uh, what's your impression of the industry and why this stuff happens well i think it comes down to if you don't have enough people from different backgrounds then there's not going to be enough people in the boardrooms saying you know or the 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 design meetings or whatever saying uh no that's rubbish you know we can't do that or why don't we think about it like this so i think i think the the biggest problem is representation in the industries and um and i think i do think that that the games in the games companies are getting better at understanding that there is a market um, out there for for women um, and that more and more people want strong female characters, like properly strong female rounded characters. And I mean rounded in all of the all of the meanings of that term. You know, I mean, I think we do need to move away from this, you know, very, you know, all the women look the same. They all they all the tropes that we've talked about are really problematic um so i think we need more representation in the in the desi- at the design level to um come up with decent games and and i think we also need a recognition of the of the potential damage that this is doing that it's not just about preference it's not just about um you know sales or you know what the current fad happens to be or like oh it's the me too era and all of that you know it's not it's not about that it's about recognizing that actually as you've described Matt and as we've described it has damaging impacts for everyone no matter what their gender and so there is a a duty of care I think that these that these groups need to 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 be considering and I think um when we were when I was running the mud um one of the things we had an, a nymph um who who was really beautiful student you know very attractive and all of this blah 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 if any player 
touched her inappropriately, tried to kiss her or grope her or do anything in the game, she did a mud wide, a game wide announcement that this person had assaulted her, you know, and it was, it was, it was, I mean, yes, obviously that then meant that some people just went and did that to do that. But, uh, but it was, it was really interesting actually to see how, how actually she got very little attention. It was, it was, you know, it really was interesting to see that it was just a sort of, people were quite embarrassed when that happened. Um, And I think, you know, there are things that designers can do that they can put in just to protect women in their games. And I think, you know, we need to see more of that. So that would be what I think. Alex, what do you you think about the industry? I'm going to pretty much agree with, what everyone said so far and just hopefully build on it a little bit by saying that if you have something that's created by a narrow group of people or a narrow-minded group of people you're just going to get a narrow game world Mm. and the benefits from seeing characters that you can identify with in some way rather than having to choose to identify with characters that you have to then fit into a mold of if that makes sense so they're not realistic representations of people, but you feel like you need to fit into that mould to resonate with them, which is damaging in itself. If you had a wider pool of people represented in games, you wouldn't have to try and fit into those moulds as much because you see yourself there more easily, if that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, diversity is king or queen. (laughs) It's <laughs> probably the better phrase. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I think. I think I can't say any more than that. Cool. Right. Uh, before we go to the wild card, is there any other business? Anything that hasn't been said? No, I've hit all my notes. I'm really pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I think I would echo um, what Caroline said about feminist frequency. I think that if you are interested in um, tropes, then you know head over to to that to their YouTube channel and just watch. They've got two series of it, and it just covers all of this stuff, and it's yeah. really good. So well worth a watch. I think follow up watching. <laughs> but come back here afterwards. I am, yeah. Next week I will be checking. <laughs> well then, it's interesting that you mentioned homework because I want you to imagine for a second that you are a university professor. Okay. The subject is yourself. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so you want people to learn about, to get insight into who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be your game reading list that if your students, if us, if we were to play those games, would give you a real insight into who you are? I'll, uh, I'll go first. Because it's it's quite a it's quite a nebulous question, just because I've thought about it quite a lot. So, if you were to play, none of these will come as a surprise to you. If you would play the latest God of War game, if you play The Last of Us Part Two, if you play Death Stranding, and if you play um, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. So, if you if you played those games, you'd see that I um, I love flawless technical 
execution of a game in terms of uh, mechanics and world building and level design. Um, I would love a massive, impactful, really deep story um, about many different kinds of things. You'd see that I, I'm... If you really take the time to experience what these games present, so like the the fact that Abby is a bodybuilder in The Last of Us and that it's it's two female protagonists, these stunningly uh, realised worlds, beautiful art, everything. Um, you'd If you really played through those games, you would learn a lot about me. Um, so that's, that's the theme. Um, Alex, uh, what would yours be? It's a really tough one. It is like a therapy session. Um, uh, let me think. I think definitely, obviously, Tomb Raider. Which one? one. Or... Um, number two, probably, because that was my first one. Um, uh, probably a bit of Lego. Any like from any of the popular ones like Star Wars or Indiana Jones because it's like it's the stuff I grew up on but in game form but in a really fun game um, and it, you can also play with friends so in that way it's like the sociable side of me and the stuff that I'm into is really nerdy so that's like sociable nerd um, what else what else Mm. Anything really Assassin's Creed, perhaps? Good. Well, obviously, yes. See, now you know me better than myself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, Assassin's Creed Origins is a, de- is a definite for the stuff that I studied as a part of my further education, because um, I'm super into Egyptology, um, as you can tell from the war, the many, many months you have seen. Um, yeah, so that's the sort of academic side of me I guess um so yeah there's probably a lot more that I could say but uh I'll have to think yeah, it's, it. worth think, it's worth thinking about yeah, I'd be, no, I'd be really, really interested to hear your um if you come up with something later do yeah. pop it on the on the um whatsapp because I'm I'm oh, really yeah. interested with that um Caroline what would yours be I've written so many down already but I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> I am but I was thinking I'd go back a bit Go give you as you know. I like to teach you a bit of history. I was thinking, um, and you know, the obvious thing to say would be uh, Ocarina of Time on the N sixty four. But to be honest, I never actually had my own N sixty four. I had boyfriends with N sixty fours, and I would play on theirs. And that's a whole other episode about the patriarchal issues around that. But what I had was a GameCube and uh, playing Zelda Wind Waker on GameCube. I loved Wind Waker. Wind Waker is just possibly like, I mean, all Zelda games are amazing, but Wind Waker's my game that I absolutely love because of the fact that you just spent so much time just sailing the seas and having that freedom. <laughs> and I think that's for me is like, games for me is about where I have the freedom to just go and do stuff and explore and take my time. And I absolutely hate games that you can't pause or that you can't just let tick along. Um, I mean, I play a lot of them because, you know, there's not that many of them, but I do. For me, a game is something to be enjoyed on my terms, 
not on the game's terms. And I think Wind Waker was the first game that really made me see that freedom. Um, I chucked in Sonic Adventures on the Dreamcast there as well, because again, like uh, for a Sonic game, there's so much freedom in Sonic Adventures. You could walk around these worlds and look at things. And then, yeah, you get to do the proper levels. But again, there was this... I, I love freedom in a game. I need to have freedom in a game, which is why now things like Stardew Valley and RimWorld are like the absolute epitome of what I love. RimWorld particularly, just because of the, you can do literally anything with it. And it's just, I love it. I love it for that reason. But uh, if you wanted just one little other side of my personality that you don't see that often is the cook, serve, delicious world, which is my desperate need to do things as well as possible and get as many achievements as I can by frantically typing on a keyboard, which I will, and get patted on the hat for it and get a head for it and get told, yes, well done, here's a gold star. And that's where Cook Serve Delicious comes into my life. Awesome. So, last one, Jen, what would yours be? Um, okay, first I'd get you all to go and play a mud or a text adventure because you've got to learn how to use your imagination because I love the whole reading thing. I love imagining the world and creating it in my head and that's the benefit of a text-based game. Um, and it was my first real foray into proper gaming and it's it was really fascinating how I, how I remember that that world that text world and um and because it was an an online game I met some awesome people um who were so influential in my life um and then I would um send you off to play um something like Sims 4 because I am really interested in people and what makes people tick and you know society and everything like that and I love that and I like the I also like the tedium, the monotony of it all. I hate to say that because I don't want to be that person, but I am that person. And and so for me, that would be something that I, I think would help you get an insight into who I am. I like to just, yeah, like you were saying, Caroline, I like to kind of let things potter along and just watch things un- unfold and I quite and I enjoy that so and then I would want you to go and play Baldur's Gate or a Dragon Age or something like that you know depending on whether you want top down or you want you know first person because I love magic and I want to be an elf living in a fantasy land <laughs> and making magical spells and all of that so but I don't I live in the real world and I'm a mum and I work I uh, spend most of my life working for a political party so you know <laughs> that is the opposite of my real world but it, it, that's what I really I, and I went to um, the US many years ago and I was in I went to Hollywood and I went to a shop there and I bought a sticker which said magic is everywhere and I it's a bumper sticker I didn't we didn't do bumper stickers in this country then um and it was very exciting and I brought it home and I never stuck it anywhere because I didn't know where to stick it (laughs) so so I just kept it and it's gone it's disappeared but that has it's it's in my head that sticker is stuck inside my head and and so yes that's those are the three game three games that I would get you to play and we just appreciate the irony of you having a magic is everywhere thing and not knowing where to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You see, it was everywhere. <laughs> it couldn't be anywhere specific. <laughs> God, God is everywhere. You don't know where to stick God. <laughs> I really, um, that, I, I really like that question. I'm really proud of that because it's like everyone consumes art differently. 
And it's like asking someone to read a book, but imagining that you're, uh, uh, someone else is reading it. So you go, oh, I, I would never have seen it from that perspective. Mm. And I think that's what we're doing with gaming in the system because we're looking at games through a feminist lens, which is something that is very rare um, for people to do. So a non-feminist and a feminist playing the same game will get completely different um, uh, impressions from it. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I'll have a go at a few of these games. Um, <laughs> and I hope that the uh, people who end up watching this video will go and have a look as well and get a bit of an insight into us. Um, that's the end of our hour. We made it, uh, even though we're all completely fried and exhausted for one reason or another. Um, hopefully the Women's Equality Party will wake up to, yeah, you can see, the Women's Equality Party will wake up to its first ever uh, London Assembly seat, maybe even two. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, so, you know, where to find us on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, uh, any podcasting app that you can find. Uh, please like, share, comment, subscribe, follow us wherever you may be, because that's the way that we get uh, out to more people. More people will find us due to the uh, the algorithms that run our lives. Um, so we'll see you next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. Um, so, yeah, thank you. We are gaming the system. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.